Welcome to Tigers in 20, a Go Tigers 247 audio podcast. Your one-stop shop for all things University of Memphis Tigers athletics. Here are your hosts, founder of Go Tigers 247, Brooks Hansen, and lead writer for Go Tigers 247, Christian Fowler. What's up, everybody, and welcome back to this week's episode. I am your host, Christian Fowler, and joining me as always is Go Tigers 247 founder, Brooks Hansen and Brooks, this is actually the first time that we've done the podcast together in three weeks. Are you as excited as I am to be back? I'm excited, but I have a feeling I'm going to be rusty, so forgive the rust. I'm going to try my best to, to not ramble, which is probably all too common for me. So let's get going. <laughs> yeah, let's let's get it started. Uh, let, let's actually start. Typically, we start with basketball, but this week... With everything that's going on with football. There's only from, a little bit going uh, on with football. Just a little bit. Just, just a little, little bit. bit. Uh, but Kenny and I did a podcast uh, on Saturday after the game recapping the conference championship, discussing Mike Norvell being hired at Florida State. So we're going to move past all of that and move on to Ryan Silverfield and the Memphis head coaching job. And Brooks, just just real quickly, what are your thoughts you know, overall as, as with Ryan Silverfield getting the interim job and, and kind of the next couple of days and what it could look like? Well, you see the reaction immediately following uh, Ryan Silverfield being named interim coach. Um, you know, you broke the news that that one o'clock meeting that Silverfield was announced and that players went absolutely bonkers for him. And uh, so I think you see in uh, player reactions, in recruit reactions, in reactions from fans, alumni, um, former players all coming and rallying around Silverfield and and just recognizing the work that he's put in to help build the program up to the monumental uh, place that it is right now in history compared to past teams. So, you know, 12 wins, a Cotton Bowl, and Silverfield was a big part of that. He's been here since the beginning with Norvell. So, you know, I, th- I think the reaction from, you know, all of those people – shows just how appropriate it was for him to be named interim. Yeah, and I mean, to me, I I know how respected Silverfield is. I obviously know how good of a coach he is from watching him and from from seeing what the offensive line has been with him at the helm. But honestly, the the reaction from all the groups of people that you mentioned has been insane. Uh, and, And like I said, I expected a lot of people to come to bat uh, for Silverfield because of the respect he has, but did not expect it in this capacity. Like it has absolutely blown my mind the support that he's gotten. Uh, it, if you've looked at Twitter at all or the message boards at all, the I mean the can you even say the vast majority or is it just everyone is is pretty much supporting him? I've seen very few people saying don't don't hire Ryan Silverfield. So uh, I think it is a testament to to what he's done. Um, and it, it's been reported over the past couple of years, but big time programs, NFL programs as well, have come knocking at Memphis to try to get Ryan Silverfield filled over the past couple of years. And he uh, he's turned those offers down. He's turned those jobs down to stay here. Um, and, you know, he said it in the press conference on Sunday, just discussing that this was his dream job and this is where he wanted to be. And, and this is the reason that he stayed um, is to have an opportunity to have this head coaching job. And typically that can just be coach speak, someone jockeying for position, someone trying to show an athletic department that they want the job. 
but it just seemed different. You know, it just seemed so genuine with him. He just, it, 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 he is a down to earth and genuine person. So when, when hearing that and listening to the press conference, I mean, as a, as an unbiased source, as an unbiased person, just spectating what was happening. I mean, I, I believed him. I believed what he was saying. And I think that is why the fans and the alumni and the current players and the recruits and the commits have all shown that, you know, that, Ryan Silverfield is the guy that they want is because I think he is a genuine person and I think he does uh, love the city. I think he claims Memphis now, claims to be a Memphian now. So it uh, it's been shocking. It's been a little bit surprising, um, but I think he said all the right things and done all the right things up to this point. Yeah, I mean, in his press conference, he said he reiterated the uh, well-known adage: "When you love Memphis, Memphis loves you back." And, and honestly, looking at his press conference when he was introduced and spoke about the Cotton Bowl and what was next, just looking at the entirety of that press conference from start to finish with Laird Veach and him, Ryan Silverfield looked like he was ready for that moment, even more so than Memphis's athletic director in Laird Veach. I mean, Ryan Silverfield seemed like he was primed and ready for that moment. So it's going to be interesting to see what happens next because Silverfield is on the road recruiting. You know, you, I'm sure if you follow Go Tigers 247 on Twitter, you've seen uh, multiple offers going out. Uh, it, today is Monday. Um, so offers going out on Monday of this week. Um, Memphis' staff going in home with multiple current commits and Silver, Silverfield on the road. Um, so – a lot going on, and all the while, Silverfield is kind of auditioning for that head coach permanent role uh, to be, you know, slotted and have that interim tag removed. So, Christian, where do we stand there? What do you think happens? What do you envision? You know, I, I know that you and Kenny talked about some of the candidates. I know that you've written a little bit about it, but where do you think overall this thing stands? Well, I, I really want to start that by saying that there are some quality candidates out there. Because when I first put the article out, uh, there was a couple people that commented and said, like, this list sucks. Um, and I, I, and I, I guess I kind of ex- expect that reaction because at, at Memphis, when a head, coaching, a head coaching job opens, you're not going to see uh, massive, massive names uh, that, that have won Stoops. a ton of I games. Mean, and- uh, that's what I've heard. <laughs> right, yeah, exactly. You're not going to see stuff like that because it's just not reasonable. Um, but, I mean, Chip Long was here uh, and did some good things here on the offensive side of the ball. Obviously, at Notre Dame now, I think he's a good candidate. I think Dan Lanning at Georgia as their defensive coordinator could be a good candidate. So there are some some good names in there, um, and I think it gets lost in college football, especially in coaching searches. Um, that not everybody is a is a national champion, and, and that these guys have to start somewhere and and come from a, a different background uh, to find that success to become a head coach at a big program or whatever. Well, let's um, not be blinded but, here, Christian. You know, let's just look at the formula of what Memphis has done with its last two hires. You rewind the clock. Other than Larry Porter and the majority of hires that went wrong, were retread guys that that had quote unquote experience they had right. that resume that maybe gave you an indication that they would be successful and it just never worked and with these last two hires Memphis went to like young passionate highly energetic offensive minded coaches and and seemed to have found something that works 
Uh, you know, the American is known for having up-tempo, uh, high-paced offenses that can really put up numbers. Um, and with Memphis kind of improving its defense this year, it, it almost feels like Memphis would be doing itself a disservice to move away from that formula. There's a lot about this coaching search that feels different. You know, obviously Tom Bowen's not involved. There's no search firm uh, involved on this search. There's just kind of a different feel now. There's there's a coaching tree involved that Memphis can dip into, whereas before there was really – you're not going out and – hiring a Larry Porter disciple. You're just not, you're not hiring a Tommy West disciple uh, to be the head coach. So it just feels really different. And I feel like Memphis needs to continue to use that same formula. Somebody who's going to energize the fan base, continue that momentum and build excitement around the program, continue to be an offensive minded program that, that is made for uh, playmakers that can come in and develop like, Fuente did, like Norvell did, uh, and honestly, knowing that Silverfield has been there from the beginning with Norvell, he knows how that formula works. That's why I think he's at the top of the list right now. He's got to be at the top of that stack. You know, you talk about Lanning; he's a, a defensive-minded guy. Uh, some people have mentioned Adam Fuller yet again, another uh, defensive-minded guy. Who else? Uh, um, Chris uh, Ball, yeah. Some people have mentioned Chris Ball. You know, he's at Northern Arizona. He's a defensive-minded guy. Um, so just oh, even Barry Odom. Barry, yeah, Barry Odom, Odom. People Odom, were talking sure. about Barry Odom, uh, and and that's an interesting person to talk about. You know, Barry Odom is a guy that actually spurned Memphis the last go round. Ended up taking the job at Missouri leaving Memphis with Mike Norvell. It's kind of crazy to think about now to, and look back how how things might be different if Memphis had ended up hiring Barry Odom versus Mike Norvell. Um yeah, and, and there was there was a report. I'm not I don't I think you did see it cuz I I think I saw you comment on it, but there was a report from Sports Illustrated that Barry Odom was the lead candidate uh, according to sources close to to University of Memphis. And I just don't see it like some people do. Like some people are really, really behind the Barry Odom thing, and I, I don't see it. Like I, I do think Barry Odom is a good defensive coach, but he took a program in Missouri that had really reached very, very high heights. As soon as they got into the SEC, uh, I think they won back-to-back SEC East championships. And then when Barry Odom got there, he went to two bowl games, and I think the best season he had was eight and five, eight and four. And it wasn't it wasn't a great season. So I just don't see uh, Barry Odom being the right fit. Like some people are really behind it, maybe because he's been here, um, because he had a head coaching job in the SEC. But for me, I just I, I don't see it. Well, you know, Barry Odom in his time in Memphis did build relationships. He he does have those relationships with some of the big-name boosters that matter. He also is a Jimmy Sexton client, and that matters in this search. But the reality is, like I said before, Barry Odom spurned Memphis, and there are people around that still remember that, people around that will still be involved in the search. So like you, because of those things, I just don't see it either. Uh, And that's why I continue to go back to this. I think... Silverfield has to be the resume on top of the pile 
that they continue to pull from underneath, review, and then check it off the list. So, you know, Memphis w- would do itself a disservice if they didn't look nationally and and say we did due diligence. We we made sure that there were not candidates that maybe came in and just killed the interview like Justin Fuente did. Um, maybe. Yeah, but yeah, I, I mean, just don't see it because you, you have you have to do that. You have to go through the process. There's no because if 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 fans, if boosters, if X, Y, and Z look back at that process and say that they would have just turned around immediately Sunday and hired Ryan Silverfield, there would have been no interview process, and then it end up flopping. That is a terrible look for an athletic department, especially for Laird Veach at the top as an athletic director. So I think it is absolutely imperative to do your due diligence uh go through and find and because you know like you said some of those guys can come in and blow you away and then it's just at that point as a decision maker you feel like it's a no-brainer um so I do think that is very important but but for me uh and like you said Ryan Silverfield should be on the top of that stack of interviews and resumes obviously not just because of the loyalty he showed the program i mean that is that important to a certain extent yes but does that mean you're going to be the head coach no i mean you can look at where norvell just went with odell haggins who's been an interim coach twice now at florida state and didn't get the head job so that loyalty to a program doesn't alone mean that you should get the job and i'm not saying that but i do think that ryan silverfield is the best candidate for the job um because he is familiar with the program which obviously comes with being here um, he, he, he wants to be in Memphis. He wants to be the guy he's passionate. Um, he's been under an offensive coordinator in Norvell, who is one of the best in the country. So even though he's never called plays before, and I wouldn't really expect him to have full play calling duties if he, if he did take over as head coach, uh, but he does have a good offensive mind and people really won't give him credit for that because he's been an offensive line coach, but the man had three titles this year as deputy head coach, run game coordinator, and offensive line coach. So he's right-hand man. He's second-hand man to Norvell throughout that process. And um, there's just so many factors that go into that uh, as far as Silverfield being a candidate when you look at current commits, which is so important this time of year because we are, I believe, 11, 10, 11 days from early signing period. Yep. Um, and Memphis has a really good class right now that they would like to build on. And I've spoken with about nine to 10 of the commits right now. And basically, you know, the, the resounding answer from them is, you know, we're a hundred percent behind Silverfield. If he's the guy, then we're still signing in the early signing period. And it's difficult to rip apart a whole recruiting class right before the early signing period. Uh, because that period has really taken away from the February signing period, the national signing day, because the majority of guys are trying to get get out as fast as they can, get to college as fast as they can, and try to springboard into the league. So there are so, so many factors that go into it, uh, and those are really just a few that, that, that make me see his legitimacy uh, and make me think that, that he should be uh, the guy for the job going forward. Well, yeah, some of those guys are trying to graduate early and enroll early. So they're trying to get there in January. So if they they can't sign early, they can't graduate and enroll. So it complicates things if it's not silver filled for those guys. And then you've got to deal with like if it's not him and you're bringing in a new coach, what's their system? What are you trying to pitch going into the late signing period to try to bring new guys that fit your system? It just doesn't make a whole lot. And here's the thing. Memphis is going to be loaded next year. Like Memphis has a chance oh, yeah. <laughs> to be as good or better than they were this year. 
Um, and I mean, maybe that's a knee jerk reaction. Maybe I need to wait and see who comes back if there's any kind of matriculation, but, um, I, I feel pretty strongly that Memphis will be a very, very good team next year and will contend for yet another West title in the AAC. I do want to make one little joke. You mentioned uh, Odell Haggins down at Florida State. That that man is like a Twinkie. He survives anything. He will. You could look up on the shelf in like twenty years, and he will still be there, just looking fresh. That man just has, hanging on. Just <laughs> he hanging is just on. hanging on by a thread. Uh, Christian, I think that's a good segue. Let's wrap up some uh, coaching search talk. Hear from our sponsors. Come back on the other side. Maybe talk some recruiting, basketball, and then wrap this thing up. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. So, Brooks, like you said, time to move on to basketball. And during the midst of the conference championship and the coaching search and everything that's been going on, uh, the Memphis basketball game has been lost. You know, Memphis, uh, Memphis fans have been so focused on uh, Memphis football and the championship and, and everything that's been going on that the UAB game has, has kind of been lost. I, I didn't personally get to watch it because it was during the conference championship, uh, but you were actually there watching the game. What were your takeaways from Saturday's game between Memphis and UAB? Yeah, well, I, I wrote about this after the game on Sunday, and, uh, you know, it was the the quintessential tale of two halves. The first half – Memphis played zero defense. UAB shot 50-plus percent from the field. Memphis shot 25% from the field. Couldn't hit the broad side of a barn. Uh, it just it felt like anything that could go wrong for Memphis in that first half did. You know, they, um, they were out-rebounded by eight rebounds. Nobody really seemed to, like, really, if we're just calling it what it is, give a shit. Like, it, it just felt like they didn't care. They – they were they looked lazy and tired. I think Penny shook his head more times than Memphis missed a shot, and that was a lot of times. So Penny's neck had to be sore on Sunday uh, from that first half alone. And then you flip the script in the second half, and you know you've got Memphis shooting almost fifty four percent from the field, UAB shooting twenty nine percent from the field. You know, it, it felt like anything that could go right for Memphis did. And it all started with Memphis's defensive pressure in the backcourt. Malcolm Dandridge, DJ Jeffries, and Precious Achua, all three were tremendous at, at kind of taking UAB out of their game plan 
forcing them into situations where they weren't comfortable, getting a lot of deflections. Uh, they turned UAB over, um, I think like 12, 13 times in the second half alone. And that was a massive part of that comeback. Um, but the other thing is like, they just hit shots. When you hit shots, you look really good. Memphis scored almost 40 points in that second half. I think it was 39 in the second half. And when you hit shots, you look really good. When you don't, you look horrible. And it was a slow, prodding, steady comeback. It wasn't anything spectacular where they went on like an 18 to nothing run. It was just kind of like they dinked and dimed. They went from 20 to 18 to 17 to 14 to 15 to 13. It was real. It was like a, a real slow degradation of that lead for UAB. And all of a sudden you look up at two minutes and Memphis is within one and they take the lead and never look back. Um, I know that that game, being the first away game, had to be such a confidence builder for them to be able to know we were down 20 on the road, not playing well at all, and to be able to like just come together, come back, and end up winning that game by eight points. You know, that's big. Memphis got blown out. People don't remember. Memphis got blown out by UAB uh, the last time that they were at Bartow. Uh, I mean, just absolutely got the brakes beaten off of them. So it was really, really impressive just from a comeback perspective. Now, the first half was pitiful. Um, they're going to have to fix that at UT. You know, Thompson Bowling Arena, UAB maybe had – I don't know, like, what the attendance was, but it couldn't have been a ton. There was maybe, like – Five, six thousand people there. If I had to guess, it did not feel full at all, and it was not very hostile. It got loud at times, but Thompson Bowling Arena is massive. It fits a ton of fans, and they're going to be crazy because of all of the drama between Memphis and Tennessee, Penny, and you know, and their staff. It's just it's going to be a little bit nuts, and Memphis has got to come out to play. Yeah, I mean that was that's perfect segue into that into that next point of them having to go to Knoxville on Saturday like you mentioned uh, the UAB game was their first true road game of the year uh, they played in two NBA arenas before that against Oregon and against NC State so this was the first road game and, and you mentioned it, it wasn't a hostile environment but still it had to be kind of a mental barrier for these players knowing that it, it was their first road game true road game uh, being at someone else's arena uh, and and having having to overcome the the hole that they dug themselves into in the first half, so I think it it's perfect. Like you said, Taylor two halves, uh, terrible first half, much much better in the second half, and it has to give them confidence going again on the road this week. Now it will be it will be to me very interesting to watch how how they adjust because now they've got that that one out of the way. It's kind of like we, what we talked about after the first game. They had to get that first game out of the way. Uh, just to kind of clear their minds and to say, okay, we've done it now. We've played in a game now. now what's next? And I think that's kind of what this was. It's like the, it, it was the first road game. Uh, let's bury it. Let's get rid of it, and let's move on because we've done it now. So let's let's not even think about it being a quote-unquote road game anymore. Let's just go take care of business. Um, and Tennessee is a much, much better opponent than UAB. UAB is a scrappy team. Uh, got a couple of players that can, that can score the basketball, but it's nothing like UT, uh, even though – 
Tennessee wasn't expected to be as good this year after losing Admiral Schofield, Grant Williams, and Jordan Bone um, with with some of the guys they've had developed as far as Yves Ponds and, and the backcourt that they have, uh, the experienced backcourt that they have. They've really exceeded expectations so far this year. Um, and it's, it's a big, big game for Memphis because we, you know, obviously the toughest opponent as far as ranking goes that they've played so far in Oregon, they lost to. Uh, this will likely be the highest opponent, could be the highest ranked opponent they play for the re- remainder of the year. So getting a big quality win is going to be very, very important. Uh, there's there's obviously a lot of factors that will go into it, but I feel like that game did give Memphis some confidence, even though it was ugly. Um and when you look at, like you mentioned, the front court specifically, which has been a big focus for this team this year with James Wiseman out, I think the development of Malcolm Dandridge, um, the way that Precious Achiwa has been able to impact the game, even when he hasn't had great offensive performances, and then obviously the the way that DJ Jeffries has kind of burst onto the scene will all be huge factors. Um, but Brooks, we actually talked about this, I think it's been about a month ago now, uh, looking forward to this UT game, that the front court was not the matchup in this game. So what what is that matchup that we'll be looking for against UT on Saturday? Well, yeah, you look at Memphis's number one overall player in terms of efficiency is Precious Achua. Tennessee, on the other hand, is Lamonte Turner, who's 6'2". He's a guard. Precious Achua is a 6'9", you know, forward. Uh, then you, you kind of move down that list – James Wiseman and Lester Canones are next on that list. So they're both out. And then who's next? DJ Jeffries is next. For Tennessee, Jordan Bowden. 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 Whatever. I don't care. He plays for UT. He's 6'5". He's a guard. So the the efficient players for these two teams kind of are complete opposites in terms of what positions, the matchup, who's going to really impact this game. And you look at it, Memphis average possession length, 12th in the country, 14.8 seconds per possession. Tennessee, 18 seconds per possession, 256 overall. So relatively slow on the offensive end for Tennessee compared to Memphis, almost four seconds more, a little bit over three seconds. And Tennessee gives up a ton of steals while they have the ball. Um, Memphis actually gets a lot of steals when they have the ball. Tennessee uh, actually turns the ball over a a good amount. They're 219th overall in the country in terms of turnover percentage per possession. And Memphis is 41 overall in terms of turning people over on defense. So there's a contrast in styles. There's a contrast in impact players for this game. So I think, you know, for Memphis, they need – Preston Sachua and DJ Jeffries to play really well and to hold guys like Josiah Jordan James, John Fulkerson, uh, even guys like Devontae Gaines um, or Eve's Pond. You know, he's he's improved this year. And then they need guys like Boogie Ellis, Alo, Tyler Harris, Damian Ball to be able to hold guys like Lamonte Turner, like Jordan Bowden, Bowden, whatever his name is, that guy, you know, <laughs> that, that guy. guy. Yeah. I don't care what his name is. Yeah. I think <laughs> I can tell. Um, but no, I think that's, I think that is, uh, like we said, the backcourt has to play well because that's where Tennessee's strengths are. 
but also with the contrast of styles, I think it is so important for Memphis to uh, to be able to get steals, to turn Tennessee over, to maybe build a bit of a lead early and to get Tennessee out of their comfort zone because Tennessee is really hard to beat when they play their game. When they're able to slow it down and let their backcourt kind of kind of watch the court and let guys like Gibbs Ponds and, and Josiah Jordan James and John Fulkerson, the guys in the front court, uh, get open or allow Jordan Bowden to make plays, that's when Tennessee is good, when they have time. That's like you said, they're, they're at the bottom of the country as far as uh, time per possession goes because they like to play slow. And we know that Penny Hardaway likes to play at an extremely fast pace. That's how the offense runs. That's how the defense runs, all based off of pace. So if Memphis can speed Tennessee up and force them to play their game, force them to play pace, then that's when you're looking at, at a good game for Memphis. Now, if Memphis is turning the ball over on offense and, and not not able to get down low, guards aren't able to make plays, and they have to slow down, then that's when Memphis is in trouble. If they have to play Tennessee's game and play slow and let things develop and run a ton of sets and run a ton of plays and they're not able to get in fast break, that's when it's going to be a struggle for Memphis. So if they can come out, set the tone early in Thompson Bowling Arena, speed Tennessee up, force them to try to get up and down the floor and score points, uh, That that's where the strength lies for Memphis in this game because they're one of the best teams in the country at playing fast, and Tennessee is not. So you have to speed them up, have to get them out of their comfort zone, have to get them turning the ball over. And, and to do that with how much that Lamonte Turner and Jordan Bowden control the ball, um, Alex Lomax is, is a huge key to this game. Damian Ball is a huge key to this game. Because those are Memphis's best defensive guards. They have to play well. They have to force turnovers. Guys like DJ and Precious have to get out and fast break uh, and make plays. And I and I think if they do that, uh, if they force Tennessee to play their style, I think I think this is a game that that Memphis can win. They just can't can't get caught playing slow uh, and playing sloppy early because Tennessee's hard to come back on because they do hold the ball so long. Well, there's a few advanced analytics that I think are very telling about this matchup, other than what we've talked about. First. Tennessee is number 12 overall in assists per field goal made. That's really, really good. So they're extremely efficient. They, they like you said, they like to pick their spots. They wait till guys are open. Their, their shots are typically very selective. So contrasting that, though, both of these teams are in the top 10 in terms of two-point percentage field goal defense. So – and neither one of these teams are very, very good three-point percentage teams. So it's going to be about who imposes their will inside the paint, who's able to actually, you know, get buckets, uh, which team gets hot from three, which, you know, which team, because you never know. You might look up and one team ends up nine of 15 from three and the other one goes three of 17. And the team that hits nine is probably going to win this game. Uh, and, and finally, the, the thing that Memphis has to do is turn Tennessee over so that they can kind of impose their will, so that they can get into transition, so that they can get easier buckets at the rim because of Tennessee being so good defensively. They're number four overall in two-point percentage defense. So uh, it's going to be extremely important for Memphis to turn Tennessee over and get out on the break. It's going to be a really interesting game. And I think you're going to see, with Memphis being one of the youngest teams in the entire NCAA, whether or not they're made for this. Are they made for this road environment? Did they learn from UAB? Do they come out ready to play? 
Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. All right, Christian, we've gone 30 minutes. There's a ton going on. It's been three weeks since we've had a VIP podcast, so I think it's time to wrap this up, but... If you are a VIP subscriber, uh, we actually have a tremendous deal going on right now. We're going to extend that until Friday because of the coaching search and everything going on where current subscribers and new subscribers can get 50% off of your VIP subscription for an annual subscription. So that's a tremendous deal. And hey, if you're looking for a Christmas present for somebody, you can sign up for a new one, gift it, send them their login info, uh, give it to them. But we're going to be doing a VIP podcast where we kind of reset the 2020 recruiting board for basketball. It's been a a bit since we've done that. Everybody kind of panicked when Memphis lost out on Dawson Garcia, uh, Chris Moore. And it kind of felt like people were like, oh, well, who, you know, Jalen Green's delaying his decision. Who are we going to get? Who is Memphis going to actually go after? So we're going to reset that talk a little bit about some guys that maybe you haven't heard much about and uh and then we're going to go in on some just some some vip stuff so tune into that got some football info too don't miss out on the football info correct that being said i do have one shout out i want to give and if you follow me on twitter at brooks hansen 247 I'm sure you've seen it. Uh, There's not really much of a way that you can miss this, but uh, Jordarian J.D. Davison, he's a a top 50 point guard overall in the top 247 and composite rankings for the class of 2021, 6'3 point guard out of Letahatchee, Alabama. Uh, I'm sure if you've listened before, you know the name. You know he's got a Memphis offer. You know that Memphis is going after him, but that man – is putting on show after show on a weekly basis down here in Alabama. And uh, so if you have not seen it, go to my Twitter. Check out from Sunday. I tweeted uh, a video of of him from Saturday along with his stat line. And here's his stat line. 47 points, 10 rebounds, 5 assists, 3 blocks, and 2 steals. And that's probably one of his lesser impressive box scores uh, just because he did not flirt with a quadruple double. Uh, Almost on a weekly basis, that man is close to a quadruple double. So uh, just because... And he's averaging like 45 right now, right? 45 a game, something like that. Correct. So shout out to JD. Been watching him for about three years now and the development there has been outstanding. So... That said, Christian, I got nothing else. Make sure y'all tune in to the VIP podcast. You got anything else? All good. That's a wrap. Thank you for listening to Tigers in 20. If you enjoyed this episode, we would love for you to leave a comment and a rating wherever you download your podcasts. If you are interested in daily content all about the University of Memphis athletic program, please hop over to www.gotigers247.com. 
Articles are uploaded daily, and you can join the Go Tigers 247 family by signing up for the VIP membership for even more behind-the-scenes information. 